the Mac Observer's Mac Geek Gab, episode 541 for Friday, February 20th, 2015. Greetings, folks, and welcome to the Mac Observer's Mac Geek Gab, the show where we answer your questions, we share your tips, we share some cool stuff found with the goal of learning at least four new things each time we get together, or certainly four new things this time we get together. This episode is sponsored in part by Squarespace at squarespace.com slash MGG with coupon code MGG. It'll get you 10% off. We'll talk more about that later. And also Harry's, harrys.com. New coupon code there, shave5off, gets you Five bucks off of a kit from Harry's and uh, free shipping. We'll talk more about that later, too. Here in Durham, New Hampshire, I'm Dave Hamilton. And here in Hoth-like Fairfield, Connecticut, this is John F. Braun. And here in beautiful California, it's about 72 degrees. Sorry, East Coasters, but it's lovely where I am right now by the ocean in Central California. I'm Chris Breen. Hey, Chris. Welcome to the show. I, 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 in fact, I don't believe I know that this is your first time here, assuming we're treating time in, uh, in linear fashion today. Well, yeah, this I have, I have not done this. Thank you very much for asking me to be here. Yeah, man. Absolutely. Well, we've been we've known each other for years. We've uh, we've well, we'll, we'll talk about a lot of that, I'm sure, uh, throughout the show. But uh, but you're uh, well, you're going through a bit of a well, you're you're happily unemployed at the moment, aren't you? <laughs> Yes, I am now Chris Green, private citizen. That's right. <laughs> At least temporarily. So, uh, so you uh, you've had a long and illustrious career as a a journalist and a book writer and a podcaster, and uh, and now you're you're moving on to uh, fruitier pastures. I guess is is probably the right way to say it. Yeah, um, my last day at Macworld was last Friday, so I've now been a week as private citizen, Chris Breen, and I have two more weeks, and then I'm going off to a well-known company in Cupertino that makes stuff that we like and we talk about a lot. So, um, yeah, so I've been basically going through my office in the last four days, cleaning stuff out and finding all kinds of interesting things. Uh, and cleaning up my brain as well. So when the tech questions come up, I may not be able to answer any of them because I've forgotten everything. Oh, we we have uh, we have all the faith in the world that we'll just throw them to you because because <laughs> you have to remember uh, years ago at MacWorld Expo, in fact at several MacWorld Expos, uh, you put John and I in the position of judging for your uh, game show that you did, and. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And so now we have we have but one episode to get you back because this is not only is it your first time on Mac Geek Gab, given the fact that you're going to work uh, for Apple over there. It's well, certainly for a, a good long while, at least it would be your last uh, appearance on this show. <laughs> you're right. And I toast. I so totally owe, owe you guys because, uh, yes, I put you in a very awkward positions, a handful of times where you had to say, well, gee, I don't know who, who do I want to make angry? Yeah. Yeah. Who do I want to befriend and who do I want to make angry and, and yeah. endure their their everlasting wrath? That's right. Yeah. 
Those were fun times, though. That was right when we were starting this show, John, right? When when we were doing those. uh, What was the name of that show? I I don't know why I can't remember the name of the game show that that you did. What was Um, it? Like I said, I cleared everything out of my head. Um, It was some kind of, you know, it was the trivia thing. It'll come to me. Yeah. How, John, do you remember? No. No. No, It was was (laughs) standing. God, we really are um, old. Wow. No, because I did this for like eight years. I, I should remember what it was. But. We, well, you did it. So, yes, you should remember. But we actually sat facing the screen that had the name of the show the entire time. So uh, Brainiac Challenge. That's it. The Macworld Brainiac Challenge. Oh. That was it. Yeah. Originally okay. started by David Pogue. He did the first one. Right. Right. Yeah. Okay. Now, now, Chris, um, you know, I hate to put you on the spot here, but, but I have an important question that a lot of mm. people have on their minds about, yeah. um, you know, what's going to happen with your future here. So uh, if you don't want to answer, that's fine, but I got to know what's going to happen to the band, man. Oh, the band. Well, this was, uh, this last time I was leader of the band, it was my turn. And so I think Laternus, it's his turn now. Uh, it makes it harder for him this year because he actually has to find a gig yeah. as well as the band. <laughs> yeah. I found us enough gigs over the years. Uh, yeah. 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 You know, I was thinking about it um, all day today. Usually I'm, I'm uh, you know, I, I'm just in show mode and I, so I go do the show, but today having you on, um, I've, I've actually been simultaneously really excited about doing the show. And then also um, uh, dreads the wrong word, but, but there's, this is the first time you and I have spoken, uh, not just since you left Macworld, but since we found out we weren't having an opportunity for a gig this year, i.e. since Macworld, uh, the conference and expo was canceled. Right. We've shared some emails for sure. Not a hiatus. It's on a hiatus. Okay. Right. Sure. Yeah. No, that's true. That's the right that's word. The for official it. line. Yeah. It could come back. You never know. Anything can come back. Anything can happen, but it's not going to happen this year. So, so that's a, um, that's a bittersweet thing. It's not bittersweet. It's, it sucks to not have a game yeah, to play together. Yeah. <laughs> it, it absolutely does. And uh, I think Levitus was on Twitter the other day saying, well, does this mean, you know, the band's broken up because Chris, you're going to go off and do something else. And, and I think the, the rule is if I, if I remember the charter that we crafted 13 or 14 years ago is that it has to be a unanimous decision to break up the band. So no, the band is not broken up. It's simply, uh, and maybe one of your listeners is well healed enough to uh, fly us out to a gig somewhere, pay us, put us up and do nice things for us. In which case, you know, the band plays on. Well, you know, it's funny that you mentioned that because Barry Falk has been talking about doing this party in June in, uh, in Chicago that, that he has told all of us podcasters to invite all of our listeners to. So, uh, so consider yourself on, on warning. He wants the all-stars to play. I think his party is on, his party is on the Saturday of, uh, of, of the weekend that contains father's day on Sunday, which makes traveling tough unless we just all bring our families and you know, all that crazy. Right. Um, but he, he really, what he really wants to do is have the party, just a barbecue in his backyard, which he's got a pretty big yard, um, on Saturday. And, and he wants to have the all-stars play, I believe on Friday night at some, you know, uh, establishment nearby. Um, so 
we'll see. Maybe I, I don't. I don't think Barry himself would be uh, in a position to fund everything that we would need to fund. But you know, there's always Kickstarter, man. So it's possible this could happen. I'm, I'm has not, he seen our writer? I think that's the important important thing. Yeah, actually, he has. He. Uh, oh, okay. Yeah. Right. Yeah. No, he he knows. Yeah. Well. Because some of that stuff's hard to get in Chicago. Oh, it's hard to get. I mean, you, you got to go. To, you got to go to Shanghai to get some of that stuff. I think exactly. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> that's, that's what you're saying. Um. Yeah. It, it. I certainly our next gigs to get. Certainly, the future of the band has changed. Um. And I. I really. It's. It's been tough, right? Because we being on stage with somebody. In a, in any sense, I mean, it, and I I feel this way about some people I've been on stage with once, but you you wind up sharing really intimate moments. I mean, you're you yeah. know, you're playing an instrument, and and you're playing music, and so you know your thick skin, whatever thick skin you might have, just goes away. You, you know, you really expose yourself, especially to the other musicians on stage, and uh, and we've shared a lot of great moments on stage, um, and I don't want to tarnish those by forcing another opportunity to play just because we can't bear to not do that. But at the same time, I, I would love another opportunity to play because I can't bear to not do that. So, yeah, well, it, it is so much fun. And, and during performance, you know, and, and I think other people who are musicians know that you tend to lock on to primarily one other player. And I always felt that you and I were the ones who were kind of acting as traffic cops in, in some situations. Um, where, you know, we'd look at each other and say, okay, we're off the rails now and we're going to get it back now. Yeah. And it just worked out. And it, and sometimes that relationship takes years to form. And with you, I found it just like maybe the second gig. It's like, oh, okay. He's the guy to pay attention to. Well, the first gig I was really drunk that we did together, Chris. I mean, let's be honest about this. Um, that well, was, all the gigs we played together, we were drunk. So that does not count. No, but, but that, that, um, I, I, I don't want to turn this into that kind of a show, but that first, the, you, the first gig you and I played together was the second gig that the all-stars played. You right. did not come out to New York because I believe, cause your daughter was born. Um, yeah, I did go to San Francisco right after my son was born. So, uh, we can talk about which one of us is the worst parent. I don't, I don't think, I mean, you know, whatever. Um, but uh, but that was that was the first gig. But it, it didn't start until like it was it was one of Eileen Hoffman's not the knife parties. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and it was at the Chapter 11 Saloon, the last call saloon. What was that called? It was upstairs somewhere. Oh, last day saloon. Last day saloon. That was it. But it didn't start to like 11 o'clock. But we had to get there at like five to set up or whatever and sound check. So we sound checked and then Paul assembled the three of us, you, me and Paul. And said, uh, we should do a shot of tequila. We're here. You know, I'm like, okay, great. So we do a shot, shot of tequila. And then we did another one because we were chit-chatting and waiting to go to dinner. Then we went to dinner and we had a couple of drinks, you know, a couple of beers at dinner with pizza. And I counted, and I, I am not a big drinker, Chris. Um, and that gig, I had more to drink before I hit the stage than I ever have in my life. Before or since, I had nine drinks before I hit the wow. stage. Yeah. Yeah. So that was, that nice was, a, going. That was a loose gig. Um, but, you know, well, it worked out okay. Yeah, but... but but by its very nature, it's loose anyway. That's true. So that's true. I'm not sure that amount matters all that much. We had, um, you know, and so we we did set a precedent though at that point in time, which which is a good thing. And and though I didn't plan for it, there, there was a reason we brought that gig up because 
Um, a very high level, uh, who's now a very high level Apple employee, Frank Casanova actually sat in with us at that gig. Mm-hmm. So, so we, we can have Apple employees on stage with us. We had Bud Tribble on stage with us once. Right. Yeah. No, I, as far as I know, there's nothing that precludes me from doing anything as a musician. Right. That remains, you know, that's a different part of my life. And, uh, well, you know, I, I did sign off. Yeah. I imagine if we were asked to, to play at the, um, Apple can can burn forever party, then that might be something where you where you wouldn't be able to take part. Um, the rest of us might not be able to take part either. But, you know, <laughs> it, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I have no idea, you know, right. what what I can and can't do and also what I can and can't say. So honestly, so you're not going to say anything? Um, I'm just not saying anything <laughs> that's because smart. that's smart. well. And it's, you know, I'm going to be working for a company and they get to decide <laughs> what their policy is about what their employees say. And so. As they, as they can, should they can do that as they should. Yeah. Right. Yeah. No, that's, I think it's great, man. I, I am, uh, I am very happy for you. I, uh, it seems like this was a decision that something you, you had wanted to change. And, and I think you, obviously you found it and that's a wonderful thing, man. Uh, congratulations. Thank you. Yeah. It's, it was a, a difficult decision to come to because, you know, I've been doing this for so long and very comfortable doing it. And I really like doing it. And, uh, but I, I think as I was going through the process of thinking about my future, uh, and I said this on Chuck Joyner's show the other day, but I, I think it's sort of the watchword that's kept me by this is that, you know, when you get through your career and you get to retirement and then you finally leave this earth, you know, having your epitaph be, he was comfortable. It's not something to be particularly proud of. And I'm really comfortable doing what I've been doing for the past 20 some odd years and maybe it's time to be a little uncomfortable and try something new and challenge myself. Yeah. I think that's really smart, man. Yeah. I mean, it, you know, I, and, but to be fair, you weren't comfortable. I don't, I wouldn't imagine you were comfortable when you started doing what you just left doing. So yeah, this makes sense. And I know you weren't well, comfortable when you hit the stage to do that first Brainiac challenge. Yeah. Well, I mean, part of that is just, it, it's incremental. Right. So, I mean, you, you have certain skills that you build on and then you do the next thing, which is challenging for you. And then the next thing after that, like, you know, starting to do podcasts or screencasts or pre- do presentations. I mean, I remember when you did your first presentation at Expo and oh. you were really nervous and you're just going, God, I got to fill 40 minutes. I don't know how <laughs> I'm going to do that. Now, look back on that now. Right. And think, oh, my God, I could have done that in my sleep. Yeah. But when you bring that moment up, I start sweating. Because I yeah. remember how scared I was. Oh, God. And it was horrible, too. I'm sure it was horrible. Yep. I'm sure it was great. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Speaking anyway, of uncomfortable, so I, Chris, mm. there's a, I think there may be a, a, a hair-based battle in, in your new uh, environment. And I hope, I hope it works out. That's all I'm going to say. We'll have to see because the, uh, the other guy, he's got the eyebrows totally going. And I don't. So he's got a nice uh, spot on the org chart too. Yeah, (laughs) there's that too. You know, so I don't think that's the fight I want to pick on day one. Um, (laughs) No, you have to work your work towards that. Yeah. I mean, I think it'd be interesting because enough people have made jokes about that on Twitter, but I don't know that they have filtered up to that level, but it would be hysterical if I ever ran into the guy. It's and have sort of like gunfighter moment, you know, like in a, at which point I'll just lie down like a dog. Yeah, that's right. <laughs>
<laughs> hey, uh, that is a perfect opportunity for me to segue into our first sponsor, which is Harry's at harrys.com. Harry's makes razors. And I, I truly mean it when I say that they make razors. They don't just buy some razors. They actually bought a factory in Germany where they make their own razors. These are five blade razors. Uh, and man, I, you know, up until Harry's became a sponsor, I was the guy that shaved with an electric uh, for decades. It's convenient. I didn't really care. Uh, I tried the Harry's stuff because, of course, they're a sponsor. And not only did I notice a difference immediately, my wife noticed a difference immediately, which, of course, means I changed and now uh, exclusively shave with Harry's stuff. Uh, as long as I remember to bring it with me, I, there was one trip where I didn't and I heard about it. Uh, Harry's makes they're, they're fantastic razors. Uh, they've got, uh, you know, and, and the blades detach from the handle. So you can buy a handle from them. And then, uh, you know, once the, the blades wear out, um, you, you replace the blade and, and you go. And the thing is, these blades, uh, for me anyway, last a long time. I had I have tried over the years, you know, the different crummy razors you get at the at the you know drugstore or whatever. And and they would never last because I don't have to shave every day. So, I'm you know, I'm shaving like, you know, once or twice a week kind of thing. And uh, these these Harry's blades last. They, they last as as long as I would want them to, which is which is just outstanding. They also have both shaving cream and a, a foaming shave gel. Both of which I like the, the cream is something special. It, it really feels I've said it before. It feels like silk in your hands, feels like silk on your face. It doesn't lather up uh, very much. It, it, it stays very, very thin and, and smooth, but, but it gives you that nice glide when you shave. And then, of course, the, the foaming shave gel really opens up and uh, and gives you that thick lather. So you get to pick either one of those. They have sets uh, of these things that you can buy. And uh, and the way it works is you buy uh, a set that comes with the, the, the handle three blades, either the gel or the, uh, or the, the cream and, uh, and you're good to go. And these sets, uh, you can, you can start out with a, what they call the Truman set. And that costs 15 bucks. Now it's 15 bucks on the website. If you don't know anybody, but the good news is, you know, us. So you get, as I said, at the beginning of the show, five bucks off and free shipping with the coupon code shave five off. That's shave the number five and off. So for 10 bucks delivered to your door is a razor or a handle, three blades, and then your choice of either cream or the, uh, the foaming gel. You can then sign up if you want for a kind of an auto delivery service. If you know what pace you're going to want stuff, or you can just buy it a la carte. There's uh, there's no, price penalty for buying a la carte. It's just a convenience thing. You get to pick however you want to do it. And, uh, and then you do it. And if you want a nicer handle with maybe metal, add 10 bucks to the cost. The Winston set is 25 bucks, but again, you'd get five bucks off with the shave five off. So, uh, so Chris, I was, I was thinking about you here. If in fact you do wind up, uh, in this epic hair battle and you do have to shave the hair off, I want to, I, what I would love <laughs> is to bring you back to the show and, uh, and we'll talk about that. Maybe we'll, you know, we'll have to, we'll have to, uh, make some friends in, in Apple PR and get them to approve all that, of course. But, but I think, I think, I mean, it makes sense if they're going to ask you to shave your hair. Well then, you know, we, we gotta, we'll do a, a special video edition of Mac Geek Gab, Chris, and we'll, uh, we'll do that. Yeah. Well, I think that would be, uh, 
a tragic thing Mm -hmm. Um, because, you know, it's not so much that my hair is impressive. It's just that I have this 80s head under it. And uh, if you were to remove the hair, it would be shocking and frightening. And I'm praying that this isn't something that (laughs) I have to, you know, I lose a bar bet with a particular person there and have to shave my head. Because it would be it would be so bad. That's right. Really that would yeah. be really bad. Yeah, I agree. But yeah. if I were going to do it, I would use a Harry's razor. That's um, and as one does. As as one does. Because, you know, they sponsored our podcast as well. And, and they do the same thing. You know, they, they sent us stuff. And I hate shaving. I really hate shaving. And I'm a, so I do it really fast. I routinely slice my face open. But I never did with a Harry's razor. So uh, thanks. I'll just, you know, plug them and say, thanks, sir. He's for sponsoring our podcast and this one, too, because uh, they do make great stuff. They do. Shave five off is the coupon code at Harry's dot com. And thanks to Harry's for sponsoring the show. OK, so now uh, now that we've got that uh, that that silliness out of the way, when I saw that Harry's was the sponsor for the show, Chris, I, I just couldn't resist. But not no, yeah. in the, the, the Hair Force one joke there. So. Um, let's, let's do some questions. Is there anything else we, we need to, to talk about? I mean, we could, we could go back and forth on, on this all day long, but I think it might be fun to actually, uh, you know, just answer some questions and, uh, and you know, and that kind of thing. Good. Yeah. Yeah. It's right. your show. It is, it is our show. That's right. What do you think, John? You want to answer some questions or you want to keep grilling Chris here? No, I'm 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 satisfied, and uh, you know I'm very very glad for him. Uh, but my parting thought is that you know maybe he'll he'll be a stunt double. I think in which case he he should maintain the uh, oh, the do. Yes, yes. Maybe we've stumbled onto exactly what Chris's job <laughs> is. I mean, your eyes will meet, and and he's going to think, Chris. You know, for those situations where I don't want to take the risk, you're the man. It's all you. So, we'll I just want to say I can't say. That's right. You can't say. That's right. Okay. Uh, we will have listener John Bayless out by asking, uh, I have an iCloud issue that perplexes me. Some installed apps create a folder on the iCloud drive for their data. When you remove the app from your iPhone, I'll say scanner by Rial as an example, the folder stays. It's not visible through the Mac finder. But when I log on at work on a Windows PC and go to iCloud Drive, I see it and it's not deletable. Have you seen this? Yeah, this is an interesting thing. Um, it, it, it indeed, any apps that save their own data to iCloud um, can sort of uh, when they when they create that store, they can mark it as either hidden or accessible, right? Like pages, you get to see that out there. Um, there are some third-party apps that you get to see. And, and then there's a lot of stuff, including some Apple apps that you just don't see. It's hidden. It didn't used to be hidden. That's a, that's a new thing in Yosemite. But, um, uh, but there's no, uh, when you uninstall an app from iOS, it, you're right. It doesn't go and clean that off of iCloud drive. And, and that's probably a good thing because let's say you had two or three iOS devices and you delete, uh, you know, in this, example scanner uh, by Rial off of one of them well if the other ones are still accessing uh, iCloud and still running that app you don't want that data to just go away but it does make it interesting and I have you can delete it uh, I've been able to do it on the Mac but you have to do it from the terminal because it uh, or like we said in the last show using something like uh, like what was what, what it used that used use John total finder right um, let you dig in there so that's uh 
yeah, it, it's it's the way it is. You know, the, the whole cloud thing is is difficult for people to get right. And when I say people, I mean companies. So um, it's yeah, it's an interesting thing. I don't know the right answer here. John, do you have any thoughts? Yes, I do. I'm glad you asked. So, yes, especially in the last episode, Dave, we had discussed how things in the iCloud folder, which I think it's actually mobile documents, but now when you, you know, in Yosemite and I think some prior OSs, it'll show up as iCloud and maybe you'll see something there. Maybe you won't. Who the heck knows? I think the best advice would be, Hey, let's look to Apple for some advice on how to do this. Okay. You know how I love Apple support articles, Dave. I do. And there is one called manage your iCloud storage. We'll of course link to it in the lovingly handcrafted show notes, but I think they give the best advice, Dave, in that the place that you want it, you really do not want to be fiddling either in the terminal or the finder with your iCloud storage. And that's the advice that Apple gives in this article. Um, you know, I'll paste it into the, I think the, the best place that you want to go to do this, Dave. So, you know, I'm copying and pasting this right now in our uh, chat room here. Hi, chat room. Hi, everybody. You know, um, oh, wait, you pasted it already. I, you, I was ahead of you there, John. That's right. Mac You're ahead of me because you saw my stream. notes. That's right. <laughs> I think Apple gives the advice. And I think that the best advice, though, is you want to manage iCloud storage through system preferences iCloud, and at least in, uh, currently iCloud Drive, right? Of course. And it's funny because now, you know, it's a little different though. It's weird, Dave. I'm, I'm looking right now. So of course I'm running Mavericks on my mini, but I'm running Yosemite on my uh, 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 MacBook Pro here. Not one of the recalled ones, oddly enough, which is good for that's me. A, that's a good thing. Yeah. <laughs> um, but in iCloud Drive, it's funny because if you go to iCloud Drive, um, I'm sorry, if you go to iCloud and then you say manage, it will then show you on the left um, all the programs that are using iCloud storage. And it's funny because some now, and I think they did a better job of helping you parse this. Some of them you click on, like for example, photo library, it'll say, oh, well, you're storing all this stuff in photo library and it doesn't give you any option to delete or do anything. But some other things or some other programs, like I'm looking right now, for example, backups, it'll show you your backups made from your various devices. Like in my case, I see my iPhone and my iPad and it gives me the option to delete. It's like, oh, well, that's handy. So I, I would say that's the first place that you want to look. Yeah, you're totally you want to right. go into yeah. Is in, and and that's the advice that Apple gives. Some of it is hidden, and and yeah, I, I certainly would not recommend. You know, kind of like we saw in the past. There, I mean, the advice which they pulled that article, but it was like, do not go here because it's like, uh, what was the term? Dave? Oh, yeah, don't mess with the uh, sync services folder and treat it as if it were a swarm of bees. <laughs> right, it's gone. They took that out, but not that long ago. I mean, within the last year or two, they they took that out. But yeah, that that lived for a while. Yeah, that's good. But it's a it's a it's a good observation that yeah, the data may No, you're totally right. Do it. I totally forgot about this when uh when I was when I was reading John's question. So that's uh that's why that's why we that's why have I'm, each other. That's why I'm here, man. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> Any thoughts on still, this, Chris, it, before we before we move on? Go. Yeah, I think this is yeah, I think you're gonna hear this from me a lot today as we go through these questions, which is don't screw with it. Um because there are, particularly with things like any kind of cloud syncing and stuff, there are so many parts to this puzzle. 
And if you throw, particularly if you're going down and digging into areas where Apple doesn't want you to be, it's either made it invisible to really keep you from doing it, even though you can, um, or it's hidden it so far down that most normal people can't see it. There's a reason for that, and it's because it isn't just affecting your Mac or it isn't just affecting your iOS device. But as you said, there's so many pieces here on your computer, on your iOS devices and in the cloud. You start screwing around with things here. You could mess up your syncing between all of the devices you want things on and, and make data that you really want on one device vanish uh, when you didn't want that to be the outcome for it. So don't screw with it. Yeah. That's that's good advice. Yeah. Yeah. Or or at least at the very least use their UI to do it so that it's it hopefully being managed appropriately all the way through the path. Well, right, if they provide you with the tools to do it, that's fine. But a lot of times these uh things that are stored in iCloud are you're working on very uh kind of a broad level. Like you can't get in and just get rid of this one file within this archive that they've created. It's either the archive goes or nothing goes. Right. And then when you start digging down into it and you start trying to pick and choose little bits to take out of it, uh, terrible things could happen. Well, you heard it here first or last, as it were, folks. All right. Uh, moving on to did, did you have anything left on this one, John, or should I move on to Michael? No, we're good. OK, uh, Michael has a question that. It's, it seems like keeps coming up in different ways. So let's see if we can, let's see if we can nail this one down here. I was like, Hey, John and Dave, it's Michael uh, calling from New York. Uh, you want to cut this out, Dave? I asked you about audio hijack. Saw your article about it. Maybe you'll discuss it. If you want to cut that, no need to play that, I guess. But I do have a, a, a memory question based on uh, what you recently talked about uh, on the most recent episode of Mac Geek Gab. The way Mavericks and uh, and Yosemite handle memory. My, my the one I understand everything you're saying. Uh, the one question I do have though is is maybe it's an outlier. I don't know. Maybe it's just me. Uh, I have I set menu. Uh, I I've had it for several iterations of uh, Mac OS X. When I was on Mavericks, uh, albeit on an older machine, it was a machine from. Uh, actually, no, even, even I've got a, a machine that I bought in June of 2014, a MacBook Pro, uh, eight gigs of RAM, the, the probably the, the, the basic processor, uh, you know, the iStep menu would show RAM being used like crazy. Since I've upgraded to Yosemite, uh, it shows, you know, nothing. There's no spikes at all in the mem in the in the ram in the in the RAM meter at all. Uh, I use a, a program called Memory Clean to kind of just see what's going on. When I run Memory Clean, it'll you know if I'm doing a lot of stuff, it'll run down very low, like down to like 70 megabytes of RAM available. But iStat menu does not show any. It, it shows nothing really. There's no spikes at all. It, it's it all right. We'll we'll stop you there. Thank you. Um, you're right iStat menus, well, OS X changed as of Mavericks and iStat menus as of version 5 followed along with this change where activity monitor defaults to showing you or as part of its memory display shows you memory pressure. And if you go into iStat menus and go into the memory section, you'll see that there is a, a display format drop down and it defaults to memory pressure 
which is quite a bit different than the other option there, which is traditional. Traditional is what you're used to, where it's actually showing you here's how much RAM is truly free and you get to pick. There's a checkbox that's that's always been there, at least been there for a couple of versions of iStat menus that says show inactive memory is free. And if you uncheck that, then uh, it's truly only, only going to show you what's actually free in terms of RAM. But if you change it to memory pressure, it's not going to show that it's going to show well the memory pressure figures from uh from the operating system which are what the os i don't even know the right way to explain this in a in a pithy way but uh maybe maybe my maybe one of you guys can help me out here but it it shows what the os um has is uh uh, uh i'm lost one of you guys want to take this chris you want to explain what memory pressure is for me please can I put you on the spot? Uh-oh. Am I all alone here? I'm here. Uh-oh. Did we lose Chris? I don't hear Chris. Oh, no. There I am. I'm sorry. I was, uh, hey, I was pretending. It's the first shot here. I think I have an answer, but Chris, please. No, you. No, I, again, I was going to say, because, again, this is my mantra for the show. Don't screw with it. Uh, in this case, yes, screw with it. Switch out of memory pressure because it's not going to tell you anything that's useful to you. If you're used to seeing how your memory is normally used, go into iStat preferences, choose not to use pressure, but rather use traditional. And then you're going to see the kind of readout that you got before, which is, for example, if you fire up handbrake, you're going to see a whole bunch of stuff going on there, as you will with uh, with the CPU and um or if you're using logic or something, something that's very uh, memory intensive, you can see that stuff there. Otherwise, uh, John, I'm going to turn it to you. <laughs> it's a hard thing to explain. Go ahead, John. Well, I think the question is revolving around what is memory pressure? Is, is that what I'm getting from that's, the question that's, here? That's the question I've posed. Yeah. And I, mean, and I yeah. believe pressure is the percentage of memory that in the percentage of inactive memory that is compressed. Are you with me on this? Oh, I'll buy that. Sure. Now the thing is in Mavericks, and again, this is part of the reason why I run Mavericks on my mini and Yosemite is that the different OSs show you different things about this. So an activity monitor, both activity monitor and ISAT menus will show you pressure. Pressure, again, is the percentage of memory, inactive memory that's compressed. And this is something the OS is doing for you that's a nice thing. So that's part of it. The, the, the compressed percentage is part of it. But right now I'm at 11% memory pressure with zero bytes compressed. However, I floated over memory pressure in Activity Monitor and I found this tooltip that says memory pressure is an indicator of the system's ability to meet the memory requirements of the user's activities. Uh, higher right. memory pressure indicates that the system is reaching its limits and performance may degrade. So I think as you get to compressing, compression is, is, a, is also an indicator here, but it's, but it's also the thing that will potentially slow you down if you need to access stuff that's, that's been compressed. So, um, yeah, keep right. the pressure. No, you're green. right. That's that's part of it. And yeah. and in activity monitor, both OSs, um, you're going to see if you go to activity monitor and then memory, you're going to see memory pressure. Now, if it's green, as far as the OS is concerned, you're cool. What happens is when the the system is too aggressively trying to compress inactive memory in order to save you from swapping, then it's going to turn yellow and then red. 
And uh, so it, when you either see in iStat menus, memory pressure being at too high a percentage, like right now, actually, I'm looking on my mini here and I think I'm cool. It's, it shows it at 35%. I'm looking on my other machine here and it's showing it at uh, nothing. But isn't it better uh, just to see how much RAM is free? I, I mean, it, 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 has that not, um, has that changed? Uh, memory, me- uh, no, 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 it hasn't. But I, memory pressure is an indication of the direction things I think are taking. Yeah, you may want to sure. glance at it. And the thing is, if you see memory pressure increasing uh, now, again, in, in activity monitor, if you get to a point where it's it's getting over aggressive in doing it, you're going to see it turn from green to yellow to red. And that means, OK, your system is really struggling with managing memory. And, and you may want to you know either quit apps or get some more memory, dude. Yeah. Um, yeah, and that's that's kind of why I like to see just the the raw free count because I know if I'm below you know a couple hundred megs free, so I, I got to quit yep. something. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. So, I mean, the thing that's been brought up in the past also is that uh, when you quit apps, the thing you got to uh, and, and you've commented on this in the past as well, Dave. Um, quitting apps, of course, releases memory, but it doesn't always happen immediately. Some people are like, well, I quit apps and, and I don't see my free memory free up immediately. Well, that's kind of the way I think Unix and OS ten work. Yeah. It'll eventually free it up. You'll eventually release swap and your pressure will go down and, and you'll eventually see more memory being freed up. It may not happen immediately. And, you know, there are utilities that'll force the issue, right? You can right. either do a, a, is it purge? I think you can either do a purge yeah. from the command line. I've learned not to or, do that while we're recording the show, by the way. No, <laughs> well, because I think it introduces a lot of disk activity. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah. Big time. That typically. Yeah. It totally <laughs> foobars everything that we're doing here and, and requires me to to like uh, basically turn off everything audio and, and turn it all back on in order to, to resync. Well, I think it, it totally whacks the swap system and that it's like, OK, let's let's uh, let's reset the swap. Or, or, no, it's not uh, swap. It, oh, it's right. inactive RAM that it that it purges, but it, okay. it it basically causes a lot. It causes a lot of interrupts during the process that that just totally uh, munges. Because the only time I think about it is when we talk about it here, and then I think, oh, I want to run purge because I want my system running like you know top notch. But really, if I want to do that, I should do it before I even start the uh, the the call for the day. All right, yeah. let's um let's move on to batteries because I I think we're gonna have some fun stuff here. Chris, you use batteries, don't you? Yeah, I do. Okay, good. Yeah. Uh, are they all charged up? Yeah. No, I'm ready. Good. I'm ready for an emergency. Okay. <laughs> yeah, but you're not having snow or cold weather or anything. So what um, what type of emergency are you prepared for? Well, sometimes it gets so pleasant here that uh, I have to turn a fan on just to sort of whisk away some of the pleasantness. Okay. <laughs> just to remind you that... that air actually does move sometimes and, and you might notice that it's like a little colder than, than you might prefer. Yeah. You know, it, again, I, it's, I sort of do this to link arms with you there in the, in the whiteout conditions, uh, in sub zero temperatures so that I chill myself down from about a perfect 72 to, uh, less than perfect 69 and a half. Oh, well, well, I want to shake my fist at you, Chris, because you, both, you, you and, sure you're not and the only Alice one. and our friend Allison. The thing is, the only the only retort I'll offer is someone from the Northeast is you guys got the smog and you guys got the earthquake. So have fun with that. OK, I'm on the coast. We have no smog right. earthquakes. It's just an e-ticket ride for free. 
<laughs> okay, I think our other friend, I think LA yeah, tends yeah. to have not the greatest air quality. Yeah, you're nowhere okay, near so LA, you're... right, Chris? Yeah. No, I'm I'm 400 miles north of there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, but I am by the beach, and I, and even you too, Dave. You're you're by the water. You're pretty yeah. close to the water, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah and so is so Chris. We enjoy it. We're when all close it's, to the uh, water. Not... How come we yeah. don't have the same weather? Go well, we enjoy that. it when it's we enjoy it when it's not solidified. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. There's a problem with that lately. <laughs> I mean, I got like I. You know, it's bad. it's worse for our friend Peter up in Boston. Boston has got dumped on so badly. Hello. Hello. Oh, you too. Dude. Oh, I'm sorry. You had that picture. Did Was it Washington Post posted your photograph? Yeah. You know, when you take like, I was coming back from the office and, and just took a picture because our, our, uh, our little lamp in the front yard was, you know, there was maybe a foot between the top of it and, and, you know, the snow pile was reaching up to it. So I took a picture and posted it to Twitter or whatever. And you know it's bad when both the Weather Channel and Washington Post reach out and say, hey, can we use your picture to show people how bad it is? Yeah, go ahead. That's fine. Well, yeah, that's good stuff. All right. Uh, Robbie writes, he says about uh, laptops and iPhones, don't they both use the same lithium, lithium ion battery technology? We charge an iPhone or iPad all night, which is leaving the device on charge hours after it reaches 100%. Shouldn't that also be a valid approach for charging laptops on charge all night on battery all day? We've got another question about batteries, too. That we'll get to, uh, but we'll answer this one uh, quickly. Yeah, it, it, they do use the same technology for the most part. I mean, if you've got a really old laptop, you might be able to find one with a, you know, like a NICAD or something. But I doubt that those are even still in service. Um, and if you do charge it all night and then let it actually run all day. Remember your phone is running all day. Even when the screen is off, it's still running. It's got its radios on, it's listening, it's waiting for calls. It's doing some data connections in the background. Occasionally it's, you know, it's, it's burning energy all day long at various rates, uh, depending on what you're doing. Um, chances are your laptop is not doing that all day. It may just be, if it's folded up, it might not be doing anything and might really only be burning a, 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 mo a very, very modest amount of, of energy. Uh, the last thing you want to do is just constantly charge your laptop and never let the battery get any use. Uh, so that's where you want to be careful. But yes, if you are truly using your laptop all day, then it's totally fine to leave it on charge all night. Uh, you just want to make sure that, you know, we always say it, that the mantra, keep the electrons flowing, right? Either charging up or draining down uh, yes it's okay to leave it in one state for a couple of hours here or there but you don't want to do that full-time you don't just want to run your laptop on your desk all day long plugged in so thoughts john it sounds like you've got you, you can't wait to chime in well i saw uh, the, all i can say dave so i have and you and i may be talking about this because i i believe um i have some equipment that you may need but my experience dave is at least with my MacBook Pro 2008, which has uh, uh, early 2008, which had 5,400 milliamp hour batteries, if, if my memory is correct. Um, I have one that is an Apple battery yep. that I didn't um, know the right way to do things. And so I would leave it plugged in for hours, charging and running and thought that that should be okay, right? And the thing is, the maximum capacity of that battery got clobbered. Oh, yeah. And I believe it's because 
I did that in that I did not, as you say, and we say, and we're going to keep saying it, you got to keep the electrons flowing. Um, do not keep the battery in any one state for too long. And I saw that. I mean, that battery is shot. It, it, and actually, if I if you go to uh, System Info and you look at that battery, that one battery that I treated very badly, it'll say condition poor. Yeah. <laughs> and actually, the, uh, the OS itself says, dude, your battery's shot. Um, whereas the other batteries, and they are not Apple batteries, they're new power batteries from newer, and that they're equivalent. You, you save, you know, a few bucks here. They still have, after a thousand charge cycles, they still have over 80% of their capacity. That's awesome. That's awesome. Because I treated yeah, them might, right. And that I as soon as it's fully charged, uh, I have two of them and I think I can give you a good deal. But the thing is, because I treated them right, they have over 80% of their capacity after almost a thousand charge cycles, which for that battery is insane because yeah. it's 300 charge cycles. Yeah. yeah. Because I treated it right and I used, uh, you know, our favorite program and, and I think everybody should run this uh, for any Mac that has a battery is fruit juice. Uh, in, it helps you enforce that behavior. Um, so fruit juice or, or a similar program uh, but reminds you, hey, you know, uh, cut it out, you know, treat your battery right. Yeah. So uh, that, that's that's my response. All right. So I, before I throw this to you, Chris, I want to read Tony's question because he says, uh, I've tried to explain the idea of always having power flowing in or out of a battery powered device to a non geek friend the other day and found that she had no idea what I was talking about. So I've been thinking about how to encapsulate this into a few simple rules. Here's what I came up with, says Tony. Number one, if the device is off, not just blank screen, but actually shut down, then it can be plugged in. But make uh, sure your plug, you plug in your phone first, then shut it down, uh, no, because otherwise it'll start your phone back up. Number two, if the battery is over 90% and it's not shut down, unplug it. And those are, those are decent rules, but, but he makes a good point that, you know, when we say keep the electrons flowing here, we've self-selected a geeky audience, right? Or a, 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 an audience with a desire to be geeky. And, uh, and so that, that rings true with most of us, but that does not ring true with the general populace. So Chris, help us turn this into crystallize this into something pithy and concise for the every person. Okay, this is for the every person. If you were to lie on your back for the rest of your life and do nothing, it would not be good for your health because you would eventually stop breathing. Uh, you could take in liquids, you could take in food, but the, having no activity is a bad thing. If, on the other hand, you do nothing but start walking east and continue walking and sleep not at all, this too is a bad thing. So being plugged in all the time is not a good thing because it's not good for your health. And lying down and doing nothing all the time is not good for your health either. What you're looking for is a balance. I talked about battery technology years ago in 911 when it mattered more than it matters now. But it's the same kind of thing is you can, I think, pay way too much attention to it so that you end up maybe squeezing a couple of extra days out of your battery. And I think the stress involved with monitoring it to that extent is a little silly. Just be reasonable. As you say, let it run during the day, charge it up at night. It's pretty simple. If you don't do that, if you forget to do it for a few days, okay, not a huge deal. Uh, but again, and I think it's particularly so of laptops, the people do tend to use them as their desktop machine now and maybe not take them anywhere for a few weeks. Invariably, they plug them in and they leave them plugged in for a long time. 
When you think of it, it's got a MagSafe connector on there. Just quickly flick the connector out of there, let it run down for a while, and then charge it up again. Well, and that's what, uh, thank you. That's actually perfect. It's, I knew you would come up with the right way to relate this to something we all understand. So ex- exercise, there we are. Uh, and and the exercise that you recommend is exactly what Fruit Juice, which is the app that, that John uh, mentioned earlier, does. It monitors how long you've been on battery and how long you've been off battery over a period of days and even months. And it'll start to pester you and say, hey, whoa, whoa, you should unplug if, if you're going to no. be hanging out here. It's great. It, it really it really helps. Um, it really helps just because all you need is that, like you said, it's, it's too easy to forget that because you're working right. You know, you're not your day isn't you don't wake up in the morning and say, gosh, I I'm really going to manage my battery well today. I mean, you, your computer's a tool, right? So you your goal is to get something else done, not just be awesome to your battery all day. And well, and also the purpose of the purpose of laptops has changed so much. It used to be, you know, it was sort of the thing you'd take on a trip with you or you'd take it to the office back and forth. But now they're so powerful. It isn't sort of the the weak compromise anymore. It's now if you have like a a retina display 15 inch, it's like that is an awesome computer. And that is your all the time computer. If you don't move, it's really easy to get into the habit of just leaving it plugged in. Yeah. Yeah. Too easy. Yeah. Yeah. I do want to talk about our second sponsor, which is Squarespace at squarespace.com slash MGG. That's the that's where you start with Squarespace. And once you go there, you will see templates. You you pick what type of website you want to create. And, and this is what Squarespace does. They're not just a web design company. They're not a web hosting company. They're all of that. And everything happens via your web browser. So you visit Squarespace. And you start building a website right there on the web in the browser. So you get a feel for, you know, you're designing in the place where you're going to look at this thing. You're not creating in, in a program and then you have to adapt it to the web or, you know, drawing in your, uh, you know, in your graphics program and then trying to figure out how to get that on the web. You're just doing it. You're making a website on the web right there. Very, very simple and you can get as complex as you want with Squarespace. They have all these templates and they really do a great job designing these templates. They they spend months on each one. They make sure that they work not only on your desktop, but on your iPhone. And they're all responsive so that they fit on whatever device people are viewing your website. And you lay out the site. You can start with their pictures. You can bring in your own pictures. Uh, you can really build a beautiful website very, very quickly. You get a two-week trial to get things rolling. Once you're ready to roll your site live, then you uh, then you decide what kind of plan you want. Eight bucks a month is where they start their plans if you sign up for a year. And let's face it, if you're going to do a website, you're not going to be moving it to a different host every month. Uh, so sign up for the year. It makes sense. It saves you some money. And then on top of that, you can save another 10% by using coupon code MGG. And that way you're really saving some money and, and you're getting your website out there easily. The nice part with Squarespace is because you start with their templates, even though you customize them as much as you want, you start with their templates. If you find, Hey, they came out with a new template or even an older template. You just want to change the look of your site, change the layout a little bit. You just change to a different template. All your content stays. The, the, the structure of your site stays. It just looks different. And then you can put new pictures in and really spruce things up without having to drive yourself crazy and, and learn how to manage all that stuff. You don't need to. They've taken care of that. They built the whole engine underneath it. They host it. 
everything. So you got to check them out. Squarespace.com slash MGG is where you start. Uh, Start building your site, sign up for an account, and then when you're ready to roll it live, coupon code MGG will get you 10% off of your first purchase. And Chris, I think uh, I think you said you even use Squarespace. And if, if, if you didn't, then now I've really screwed up, but that's okay. No, I do. <laughs> uh, because I'm not, a, I'm not a web design guy at all. I've had a couple of websites and it was just a pain to have to do them. And I needed some sort of presence as you do. And I found using the, the tools that were offered at the time were really complicated. And I ended up producing just horribly <laughs> awful looking websites. And uh, because we were sponsoring Squarespace as well, I took advantage of, of one of the offer codes and I tried it. And now I run my band's website on there and I run my personal website, chrisbreen.com. Uh, I like the templates. It's really easy to monitor uh, your metrics, get stuff in there. The editing is easy. I've posted a bunch of music stuff on there and it takes care of all the kind of weird stuff that geeks know how to do really well, but normal people like me, uh, find difficult. And I just, uh, I threw up a site there within like a day and a half and it looks really professional. I've gotten great feedback on it. So chrisbreen.com is a Squarespace site. Is that right? Yeah. Cool. Well, folks, tell us what your Squarespace site is and we'll talk about it on the show and we'll tweet it out and, uh, we'll get you some visitors for your site. So let us know squarespace.com slash MGG build it beautiful. All right. Um, let's, uh, are there are there any questions? We're getting uh, we're at fifty three minutes here, Chris. So we've got a little bit of time left. But uh, is are there any questions on the list? Uh, any of the people's questions that you wanted to make sure we got to? Or are you good with with us just flowing through? Well, no, I'm good. I'm fine. Okay, then uh, let's go. To, we'll we'll stay on the list. No problem. We'll go to uh, we'll go to Paul here. I think this is. This is always interesting. Uh, Paul writes, I took your advice and have been upgrading my Mac Pro. Uh, I upgraded my RAM to 18 gigs and I purchased a 480 gig uh, SSD from OWC. Mac OS 10 Yosemite 10.10.2 installed easily on the SSD, but migration assistant wouldn't move my accounts, two of them, no matter how much I turned off because I'm coming from a drive that's larger than the 480 gig SSD. Uh, I tried migration assistant while booted on my mechanical drive. I told it to only copy the desktop from my main account. After all was said and done, I changed the boot drive to the SSD and marveled at how the, how fast the old box booted. So that's good. He says, I signed in and was not greeted with my desktop rather with a generic desktop. And when I checked the folders under users, I had one that migrated and one that it apparently created while I was actually logged in. I'm wondering what the right way to deal with this is and how to uh, resolve this problem. So this is, this is a tough one. Uh, honestly, uh, you know, if, if we can go back to the beginning and, and going back to the beginning might actually be the easiest thing for you here, Paul. But uh, I would say if you know that you're going to want to migrate from an old machine to the new machine, and there's something different about the new machine that's going to require changes to the way your data is laid out. In your case, uh, you're going from a larger drive to a smaller drive, and then maybe you're going to go from a, you know, one large drive to a, you know, a small drive and a smaller, a smaller SSD and a spindle drive, or, you know, something to, to lay your data out. I would do that whole change first on the old machine, assuming you want to inherit your user account and get it down so that your data on your boot drive is 
taking up no more than the 480 gigs that you've got on the, on the, on the, on the new one. And then that way migration assistance actually going to be able to do what it's supposed to do. It's not really built to be this super granular tool that lets you pick and choose. I mean, you can do some picking and choosing, but as you found, it doesn't really work that way. So you really just want to let it say, yeah, go copy everything over or start from scratch and manually migrate stuff, which really isn't that big of a problem. Usually for most people, it goes much faster than you think it will. So, so that's my advice in terms of even, even now what to do. It sounds like you've got two user accounts that, that have been created. One that has the migrated data and one that you created as you logged in. Honestly, I think you're creating a bigger mess than you're ever going to want to inherit. And you're probably better off just rewind and, and start from scratch. But uh, John, what do you think? Uh, I'm still trying to digest what he's saying here. It sounds like part of it is that there maybe was too much data to bring over. Well, that's definitely what it is. Yeah. I mean, one suggestion would be for the larger libraries, especially for programs that can handle this. So, um, especially Apple programs. Um, you know, if you look in your home folder and, you know, Apple laid it out this way, you know, it's, it's nice that they did this, but you know, if you go to your home folder, which is going to be in your sidebar and it's going to be a little house or something similar, you're going to see various categories, um, major categories, music, um, you know, movies, things like that, uh, pictures, especially. And within that, if you're using the Apple programs, you're going to see, folders for the various Apple programs. I would say that you could safely offset those, uh, assuming that those are taking up the major portion of your uh, space. Uh, the other thing would be documents. You know, another thing is, a, 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 you know, some heads up advice here is, you know, think about your strategy for, for uh, you know, when you're storing stuff. Um, I've seen this, David. It makes me cringe sometimes here. But, you know, anything that's not... Uh, belonging to a program like iTunes, which will be in music or, um, uh, you know, pictures would be your aperture or your iPhoto thing, uh, or should be, I, I believe, um, though maybe not, you know, cause I don't really use the third party stuff too much. I don't know how Photoshop and all that handle it, but, um, yeah, I would say uh, number one, you know, think about how you store your documents, uh, your your libraries of things that are important to you, and uh, you should be safe, be able to safely offset those to an external drive. So, if it's music, take your iTunes folder. If it's uh, pictures, take the Aperture library or the uh, 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 iPhoto library. Um, or if it's documents, you know, pull that stuff off and put it on a separate drive before you do the migration, and maybe you know, think about how you're going to store that stuff. Um, the only thing I mentioned, Dave, is I cringe sometimes when I see systems where they have, and I think you've told me this too, uh, uh, my family, I think I've trained them well enough where they don't do this. But when I see a computer with documents scattered on the desktop, I'm like, oh no, what a mess. Oh my God. Don't come to my so, house. I got all kinds of documents on my desktop. <laughs> Not in your documents folder. Oh, no. On the desktop. I have a lot of stuff on my desktop. It's not not working documents, though. Those I I save in a place that's, you know, synced and and all of that. But but I I do have a lot of crud on my desktop. What I'm saying is that you shouldn't store things, though some people could, because actually, if you go in your home directory, there's a desktop folder. And that's as valid a folder as anything else. So, yeah, if you want to store your stuff there, 
so again, I, you know, I'll, I'll step back a bit here and say, you know, think about your strategy here. Try to try to, when you're storing your stuff, try to think about trying to compartmentalize it so you can put it on an external drive. If you are going to migrate to a new system yeah. and make your life easier, yeah. uh, I, I think is, is my general. Yeah, I know. I don't recommend keeping a lot of stuff on your desktop. It actually does slow down the, the launching of the finder and all of that. Um, if you've got a bunch of stuff that it's got to deal with out there. So that's just, you know, that's how it goes. Um, do you, do you have any thoughts on this one, Chris, before we, before we mosey forward on our, on our path together here? Yeah. Generally when I move to a new machine, I treat my old machine as kind of a snapshot of that period of time. So you were talking about paring it down on your old machine and then <clears throat> using migration assist to move over, which is something I wouldn't do. Um, not because I think it's a terrible idea. It's just that I don't want to have to mess with it over there and then throw it over. Generally what I do is when I get a new machine, I start from scratch. I reinstall all my apps clean there. Yeah. I bring over my data in certain ways. I do keep most of my media. I keep on an NAS anyway. So all my iTunes stuff is over there. My photos are over there. My movies are over there. That way I can serve them out to various devices through my house. And I don't have to worry about where they are or migrating all that stuff. Cause I have a ton of media onto a new machine. So I can keep that new machines, internal drive as clean as possible. Um, where I'm not migrating over a bunch of old junk that I'm never going to use again. And it really doesn't take as long as you might think, because, you know, if, if you're like me, you probably have current stuff that you're working on that isn't really a, a whole lot of stuff, uh, media that's somewhere else. And then, um, and then your core set of apps. And also, as I look through my applications folder and I look at all the stuff there that I don't use anymore. When I go to a new machine, I realize, you know, I only need about 25 apps. I don't need the 700 that happen to be in my old apps folder. So um, I just, I feel cleaner doing it. Like it's a fresh start and maybe it's an illusion because I've purchased a faster machine, but everything seems to run faster than it did before. And, and um, it just feels lighter, like moving into a brand new house. Yeah. I know. I, I, I like, I like the new, you know, the clean new start. It is a good thing. It's not always the most convenient thing, but, but you're right. It doesn't take very long to do it. It always seems like a far more daunting task than it turns out to be when you finally do it. So, so you, you mentioned you keep all your media on a, uh, uh, a NAS drive. Is that the only place you keep it or are you syncing your media from your Macs to your NAS drive? I mean, I'd, I'd love to hear, you know, a little a little bit of a, you know, a, a short deep dive onto how you manage your media, because that's something we talk about a lot here. What kind of NAS do you use and and what do you put on there? What do you how do you do it? OK, well, I've got a Synology, um, a couple of them. Um, <laughs> this one to, has a it's good to be Chris two, Breen, right? Two. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I don't, they don't I think, you know, the biggest one has, uh, has just two drives in it. So it's okay. not a huge one. Um, my main media Mac is a Mac mini that is upstairs and it's connected to the television up there in the AV system. Uh, it is fed from the NAS drives and I will encode media on my regular Mac, which is the Mac Pro, which I'll have for the next two weeks, and then it has to go back to the shop. Um, so what if, if I'm ripping a DVD or a Blu-ray that I own, I will rip that on the Mac Pro because it happens there the fastest. Then I use screen sharing to copy it over to the Mac Mini, and then the Mac Mini, uh, I can then 
drag that into my iTunes library where it then takes that media and it throws it onto the NAS. So it's, you know, it's, it saves me the trip of going to two to three computers to do this thing. But, um, and I actually, at one point I finally streamlined this enough because, you know, you have that, um, copy to iTunes smart folder. Yeah. That we always ignore. We always ignore. Well, you shouldn't because you can make an alias of it and put it on. So I make the alias of the Mac minis copy to iTunes folder on my Mac pro. I throw stuff in there on my Mac pro. It copies across the network, goes into iTunes and then iTunes says, Oh, you, he wants that on the NAS. So that's how that gets done. It's, it seems lumpy, but it actually is a, it's a very fast, um, process no that makes sense so so you use itunes to manage all of your media that that is the primary organization spot for and tool for for everything that you do is that right well not necessarily it depends the reason i do that is because that's connected that's feeding my apple tv right and so a lot of the stuff you know my my family understands how to operate an apple tv versus plex which you know i I threw that at them and they just went forget it yeah but they get apple tv so as long as it's so i feed everything through itunes there which then feeds the apple tv and then the family can use it and i and i think that's the um the tricky part for a lot of this stuff is if you're using things like plex which we like because it's so cool in many ways if you turn that over to your family who's not very technical they have no idea what to do with it and uh the idea of running a computer on their television is foreign to them. Yes. So if you can, as much as you can put that stuff through an Apple TV or a Roku or something, that's family friendly, then you're set. Yeah. You know, what's interesting is we, we did a very similar path and I got it all set up with Plex and it was awesome. And then I showed it to the family and it was like, Oh yeah, this isn't going to fly. You know, <laughs> there's no, no way, but, uh, Instead of going the iTunes manages a, you know, shared family media library thing, I dug into Synology's video station and Mm -hmm. that's way simpler and much easier to deal with than Plex for everything that I use Plex for. Um, Not only streaming to the Apple TV. I, I, I don't know how they get away with doing this, but, you know, video station will stream directly from your Synology to the Apple TV. The problem is you don't have a UI on the Apple TV to start it, but you can start it from your phone. And my family's gotten that down and they're totally fine with it. And they just say, oh, yeah, I want to play this movie on the Apple TV. And then, boom, it's on the Apple TV. Uh, it's not it, it's using AirPlay from the Synology, not via your phone. Your phone's just the remote control. Right. Um, and it's also great for downloading stuff to go watch on, uh, you know, on an airplane, offline viewing. It's just much simpler than Plex. Um, so I've gotten away with almost the perfect solution. Um, maybe we'll see, you know, <laughs> I'll, I'll try that. I think that's, that's really interesting because I like the tools that are on Synology Yeah, and I explore them for my other work, but I haven't really implemented them. But you know, if you say your family can do it, then, it's, then I'm all over it. It's no problem. And it's, you know, it, it, I moved to the biggest reason I moved to Plex was because it would be, you know, it'd be like today we're leaving on Sunday. We're going to Florida for the week. And Today would be the day that the family would start dumping their iPads on my desks and with lists of movies they wanted me to copy to them. Right. <laughs> and it's like, yeah. oh, I got to fix this because now I, you know, not only do I have to pack, I need to spend like six hours doing this. So I, I used Plex, right, to, to do it because Plex will do that. But Plex's offline syncing thing is a little bit wonky, especially 
if the Plex server is running on the Synology, because, you know, the CPUs, at least on the, the older generation Synologies are not the fastest for transcoding mm-hmm. and, and all of that. So um, so that worked for a little while. But then even that got clunky. We'd get on the airplane and people say, oh, it didn't sync this movie. And then suddenly there would be grief and at, at thirty five thousand feet, you know, and this is not good. And the video station thing has totally solved it. It's it's really streamlined. They did a nice job with it. I, I'm 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 constantly blown away by their you know built in kind of you know home built apps, if you will, over at Synology. They they do a good job. It's, it's yeah, they're it's great. Impressive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know where to go. It, you know, I want to I want to throw one thing out, John, because we talked about it in the last show. Uh, Eric followed up from Show Five Forty. We were talking about secure erasing drives. And we brought up the concept of SSDs not being uh, you can't you know, you, you don't want to do the secure race on them. And also it doesn't really work. And and Eric brought up the obvious solution, which is if you use file vault on the drive, then you don't really have to worry as much about uh, about your data, because a you can then go erase the drive. But if someone can recover even bits and pieces of the data that was on the drive, it's all been encrypted. So there you go. So that's the uh, that's the answer is uh, use file vault on your SSDs if you if you want to keep them secure beyond when they have lived with you. Yeah. So thanks, Eric. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that was actually I think uh, Apple has a support article that pretty much says that because, of course, make sure to turn off file vault before you sell your machine. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> so yeah. the recipient isn't wondering what the password is. Yeah. But yeah, no, that's a great solution because then of course uh, any of the leftover data is going to be encrypted and will be meaningless. So yeah. Are you using file vault on your, uh, on your new laptop, John? Absolutely. Awesome. I'm using it on both my machines, Dave. I'm using right. it on the mini, which has an SSD, which uh, you gave me from our friends at, uh, I forget which, which one I have it in, in here exactly. Uh, OC, uh, is that OCZ? Anyways. Might've been OCZ. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Yes. So it's a rather small, uh, which is a challenge. It's a, I think a 240 gig, uh, you know, that's a, had me rethink, which was kind of suggested in some of the other questions here. You know, I'm at, I'm, I'm actually, you know, having to think about how to strategize uh, what I store on the SSD in this machine. And, uh, you know, per Chris, and uh, we've mentioned it before, um, I store a lot of my things externally now. You know, I'll store my iTunes library on my on on the Synology. I have one too. You know, it's great. So uh, a lot of things I'll have to take off of that SSD because it's relatively small. Of course, the MacBook Pro has the one terabyte, so I put everything on there. Right. Oh, that's right. Yeah, you've got that one terabyte SSD in your MacBook Pro. I always forget about that. The nine, the nine sixty or whatever it is. Right. Yeah, dude, you like that it's thing? So sweet. Yeah. Yeah, nine sixty one terabyte. Yeah. But yeah. No. Still, yeah. Dude, I love it. Yeah. Yeah. How about you, Chris? Are you using SSDs in uh, in most of your machines these days? Oh yeah, anything yeah. that will take one, I put one in there. It's just it's like getting a new computer. It totally is. Yeah, yeah, and it's. I think people were, you know, I've, d- I've done videos on these things, and uh, I think a lot of people are are afraid to get into these Macs because either they, they think they're really tough to get into now because Apple has sort of made them appear to be less simple to upgrade but there are great sites that have owc has good guides i fix it has good guides yep and as long as you're not 
you know, entirely clumsy if you're patient. And I think that's a lot of it is that's people want to get in and get out fast. Yep. Right. And organize. So, you know, where all the screws go. Yep. If you take your time, it, you know, you certainly could have a pro do it for you, but it's expensive. Uh, SSD drives are coming down now. Take your time, get the right tools. So you're not doing it all with a Swiss army knife. Right. Which I've done. Um, and when you come to the end of this thing, you're going to feel like, wow, this is amazing. The difference in speed. I know it's crazy. <laughs> yeah. You, you feel like you've cheated, you know? Um, yeah. Yeah. But you're totally right. Patience and the right tools. Those that's, that's it. Uh, that's what you need to get through this because you have the, the instructions. I mean, it, you know, that's the big difference. I totally got out of working on laptops you know, a decade ago, because you never knew it's like, okay, well, there's some screws here. I guess I'll unscrew them and see if it opens. Nope. That didn't yeah. do it. Okay. What next? You know, you're, you're left completely clueless on the outside, but with, like you said, with OWC and I fix it, we're not clueless. It's just follow the steps. It's very simple. Yeah. Just don't yeah. sweat into your computer. You know, that's the, <laughs> that's the trick. I remember when and I keep the spill that you uh, yeah. Keep your spillable drinks far away yeah as yeah you're working on this yeah hot soapy water doesn't actually clean the inside of a computer in the mm, right yeah, way not so much not mm. so much yeah oh well, i gotta say though dave you know, so you know as you know i have the uh macbook uh pro mid 2012 right and uh it's one of the last apple machines where it was relatively easy i mean actually shockingly easy yeah. to replace the hard drive uh, versus the the, the machine that both you and I have, or I think your, your daughter has, the MacBook Pro early 2008. Dude, that was a nightmare to get into that, to get to the Yeah, you could get to the drive. They didn't make it easy. Whereas this machine, it's like, it's eight screws and, oh, okay, there's battery. There's a drive. There's a RAM. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> no, you're right. So yeah, it was... That, it was it, that one's way easier. The 2008, though, I, uh, I had to go into my daughter's machine uh, this weekend because the SSD in it just died. Right. I mean, and, th and when an SSD dies, I saw you post that and it, it just you know, dies. That shocks me. Yeah. And I think it's maybe a symptom of the earlier ones. That's yeah. my only hesitation with SSDs is when based on what you said, when they go, they're gone. It, it, at least the rotational drive when it when it degrades. And actually, I just had this. Maybe we'll talk about it. I had one degrade. But the thing is, I got warnings saying, yeah, there's some problem with the blocks here, whereas Early and I think maybe it's just the early SSD technology. When they die, they're dead. It, it's like there's no recovery. It, it's not. I think you said this. It's not even there. You can't even see it anymore. It, it's it just doesn't, gone. It, it was as though there were no drive in the machine. And even once I took the drive out and tried it in you know external cases and and various other ways of addressing it, it was it, it was as though I didn't even have a USB case plugged in, you know, an external case plugged into my machine. It was just nothing, but that's how it works with SSDs. When they go, they go. And this was, this was a really early first gen 128 gig, uh, run core SSD. So, you know, it, 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 it didn't owe me anything in terms of time or any of that, but you know, it, it, I had to go. So I had to go into the machine and, and pop the new drive in and it didn't take, I mean, I think I was in and out of there in 20 minutes. Now I've done that particular machine a lot, so not only do I know what I'm doing, but, you know, the little clips are probably a lot looser than they were when they started. You know, you're not fighting with it anymore. I just kind of know. Mm -hmm. I know just how to pop it out. It's, it's you know, it's not that big of a deal. Hey, all I'll say, all I'll say is that the newer SSDs, and I've seen this via various reporting utilities, 
or at least the one that I have, Dave, um, they've included a, and maybe we'll go to the thing I was going on about before. We'll save it for the next show. But um, so smart is a technology that lets you monitor drive parameters. It, it's both a on off thing, but it's also a, but it also gives you a lot of information about what's happening inside of the drive. And one of the things that I've noticed they added, at least on the drive that I have, Dave, the crucial, and I think some others is you get a parameter called lifetime. Yeah. It's like, all right, your drive's at 96%. And we actually just had someone in the chat room say, Hey, you know, what's the deal with, you know, so this is very timely. What's the deal with SSD lifetimes? And the thing is it's now built into the more, the, the more, more recent SSDs is that they have a little counter inside saying, okay, here's how much time before I die, before you cannot write to me anymore. Not necessarily read. I think the thing with SSDs is they eventually will say, you can't write to me anymore. Sorry, but my, my RAM is, is depleted. In, in theory, they will do that. In theory. Yes. That's what's supposed to happen with an SSD is right. at some point it says, you can't write to me. You can still read from me and that's it. But now I, I noticed that because I saw that, I think, in Drive Pulse. It said, oh, yeah, your drive has 99% left. And I'm like, oh, well, that's good. That's good. <laughs> all right, Chris, one thing we like to do, in, and lately we've been in the habit of, of saving all of these uh, into one episode. But since we have you here as a special guest, uh, I want to ask you to share at least one. If And if you've got a couple, that's fine. Uh, cool stuff found with us because we that, that's sort of part of what we do here. So do, did you I think I warned you about this, but did, did if I didn't, my apologies. Do you have anything prepped perhaps for us? Uh, I have a thing that I bought. That's it's good. Cool. OK, <laughs> that's it's it. expensive. That's it's cool and it's expensive. Um. I have recently been getting into uh, photography more than I was before. You know, I've always had a DSLR and I take pictures of the beach a lot just to, so you guys in the East coast will feel bad. Um, Thanks for that, by the way. Yeah, yeah you're welcome. Like yeah. I said, we have one too. I like the seal of approval. That was very nice, Chris. That was very oh, good. Thank I you. Well, that. that was taken with this thing I found and this thing I, f I found this on Amazon and I paid a lot of money for it. And that's how you find these things. It's a, uh, it's a Nikon D750 full frame camera. Oh, wow. It's a DSLR. I bought the kit, uh, which is the 24 to 121 for, uh, F4 lens with it, which is my walk around lens. This is my first full frame camera. I had a, um, a D300 prior to that where, so you're shooting in DX and, and the frames are, or the, the size of the frame is not, not the same. So you get a 35 millimeter lens and it's actually 50 millimeters. Um, it is fast. It has produced some really brilliant stuff so far. It's, um, it has a lot of, uh, different focus points that I didn't have on my old camera. And it's really starting to change the way that I am shooting. I have, I'm getting myself out of bed in the morning before the sun comes up and going and shooting at sunrise um, because this camera is motivating me to do so because the results that come out of it are enough to say, this is awesome. Even though I've only slept five hours, I'm going to get up and I'm going to go to the beach and I'm going to shoot surfers. And um, it's really a wonderful way to, to start the day. So yes, it's an investment but it has changed my attitude a lot, particularly in this last six weeks or so, which have been kind of stressful for a variety of reasons um, to get out and just go shoot for a while is a terrific way to start the day. And to have a piece of equipment like this uh, in front of you 
that allows you a lot of flexibility and a lot of freedom to shoot has been great. So uh, the downside is that when you go to a full frame camera, you have to buy new lenses too. So it isn't just getting the body, but now like, Oh, so now you need full frame lenses to go with it. So I invested in three lenses and I think I'm covered for the time being, but I really like it a lot. It's heavy. I know a lot of people are going to, to uh, mirrorless cameras because they're lighter and they produce terrific results. But um, so far I'm just thrilled with this thing. It has a, this particular model was recalled because of light leakage because the camera body is actually smaller than the, uh, than the previous uh, DX models sent it in, got it back a week later and it's just been fine. So I highly recommend it, but it's um, you know, again, if you, if you're really into it, no, not cheap. So no, what, the, the what you did here was uh, what usually, again, to the theme of uh, you taking things and really just narrowing them down and making them as concise as possible. It usually takes John and I a good 90 minute episode to get people to spend a couple of grand uh, of, you know, adding up all the cool stuff found that that we uh, that we throw out there. And you were able to do that in you know, the matter of about two minutes. So that's outstanding. Yeah, no, I, I do my best to just, you know, say, let's not fool around here. Let's just go right to it, <laughs> write the big check, and uh, and you're going to end up with something awesome. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, you, you're not you're not winding up with, with breadcrumbs here. You're getting the, the, the real deal. Yeah, that's good. Absolutely. That's, a, that's awesome. Well, figuring it was my first time in and out, you know, I've got to kind of, you know, shoot my wad in this one go. That You, you got to take it. When you got to take the shot when, uh, yeah, whatever. (laughs) Well, that does begin to uh, bring us to the end here. Uh, As much fun as we're having, it does uh, all good things, as it turns out, must come to an end. Um, I do uh, appreciate you coming on the show, Chris. This was this was actually a lot of fun. This this was a great way to uh, to wrap up the week for us. And it's. uh yeah, no, it was absolutely a joy for me. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, cool. Uh, if you folks have anything you would like to say to us, uh, feedback at macgeekgab.com is the email address that you can use to send us whatever it is you want to send. Really? Uh, I want to make sure Chris heard that. Uh, it's feedback at macgeekgab.com. No, 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 no. It's feedback at macgeekab.com uh you can also call us if you'd prefer to leave us a voicemail at 206-666-GEEK which uh i was gonna make chris figure that out on the spot but i'll, I'll throw it to john i'll be nice so john what is uh what is that geek number i want chris to figure it out, Does he have a, it out? I, I don't know if he has a phone in front of him but no i'll, I'll spoil it it's four three three five that's right uh, and visit us on, uh, I, I, I know Chris, you don't do Facebook, but, uh, but that's okay. You wouldn't be able to participate in this anyway. So, uh, everybody else visit us at, uh, our, our new Facebook group that's been doing very, very well. And so many of you are participating. It's fantastic. Easiest way to get there is to go to macgeekgab.com slash Facebook. That auto redirects you right to where you want to go and makes life super, super easy. 
Uh, let's see. There's a lot of people we want to thank, in addition to Chris, for coming on the show. Uh, I want to thank Michael Johnston from the iOS Show podcast. He converts the show to AAC and adds all the chapters for us and for you. So thank you, Michael, for all of that. That's awesome. And uh, and check out his podcast. The iOS Show is a great show. Also, the folks at Cashfly, C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y.com, provide all the bandwidth to get the show from us to you. And uh, we they certainly make it possible for us to do what we do here in terms of, uh, of that side of things. So thanks to them, too. I mentioned our sponsors, of course, squarespace.com slash MGG and uh, coupon code MGG gets you 10% off of your first order. Harry's.com with coupon shave five off that shave the number five OFF gets you five bucks off and free shipping. Barebones software at barebones.com with your Jimbo and BB edit. Gazelle at gazelle.com to sell all your stuff back. Smile at smilesoftware.com for all the utilities that they make. Fantastic stuff. Uh, Drobo at drobo.com with MGG50 is their coupon code. And also Linda at lynda.com slash MGG. You can see Chris Breen teach you stuff at Linda. I think your courses at Linda are still going to be up, right, Chris? Oh, absolutely. I have a new one. Um, Yosemite Tips and Tricks. Look at that. See, so you can go check that out. Lynda.com slash MGG gets you 10 free days and that'll, that'll get you Chris's thing. So, um, you know, at the end of the show here, Chris, we like to share uh, advice and, and, you know, I've been thinking, um, you know, we found out yesterday, you and I emailed back and forth and figured you were coming on and I, I, you know, you're moving on to a new thing. I was, I, you know, I know right now you're, you're uh, a member of the unemployed. And so I was going to say, right, if you get work, but, uh, but you spent the last, you know, a couple of decades writing and then actually we won't see you write um, anymore. So, so I can't say, right, if you get work. Uh, so I will simply wish you the best, uh, on this next portion of uh, this next phase, this next chapter of your life, if you will. Um, and thanks for coming on the show. And I look forward to whatever opportunity it is. We get to see each other again, of course. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, and I, I think that the best way that I can sum up my career and, and also, uh, you know, advice to both you and John and your listeners, is I think in these three words, don't get caught made up.